let me try and ask a question here. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Welcome to Breathing Flames, the tabletop gaming podcast from IslayTheDragon.com. I'm John, also known as Farmer Lenny on Islay the Dragon, and today we'll be talking about variable player powers. Variable player powers are experiencing their day in the sun as the division between Euro games and American-style games becomes harder and harder to distinguish. Once the province of wildly unbalanced space operas, now even frowny Euro dudes are able to put their unique stamp on the world with mildly different abilities. What are variable player powers? Why are they so popular? And do they really serve to add interest to games? With me to explore this topic are fellow dragon slayers, Alex. Hello. And Wolfie. Greetings. All right. So we're talking about variable player powers tonight. What game comes to your mind when you think of variable player powers? Well, for me, the (laughs) hacks of the variable player powers are obvious. Almost every game I own has variable player powers. Uh, but Cosmic Encounter is the game of variable player powers. That's basically the shtick. Mm-hmm. But it's not It's not one of those games that is like, it's not an asymmetrical game, which I think we'll go more into later. But it's a game that you could play without the powers, but the, the selling point of the game is that everyone's powers are ridiculous. And enough said. Yeah, even though I haven't played Cosmic Encounter and even though I don't want to play it, that's the first game that comes to mind. It's so it's so upfront and in your face about it. It's all about the player powers in Cosmic Encounter. And it even says it right on the box. It's a game of infinite possibilities. So <laughs> we know that it must be true. I think they fixed that for the 42nd anniversary edition. Let's hope so. <laughs> that's the editor talking. Is that for real? It's for real. Yeah, That's what it says on my box. Nice. It's a collector's item. <laughs> That's right. For me, I think the game that comes to mind, and it's mostly because I try to make Cosmic Encounter never come to mind. <laughs> but the game that comes to my mind is Terra Mystica, with because it's a it's a Euro game. I'm familiar with it, but also it every person has a unique race that gives them kind of a different starting point in the game. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the evolution that we've been seeing in variable player powers, that it was very much the domain of the American-style games. I think even starting probably back with like Dungeons & Dragons, where each character had their unique abilities and and possibilities, their own powers that were unique to them. And that kind of is seen all throughout uh, Wolfie games. It's true. When I was thinking of my games that have variable player powers, it took a little bit of thinking, but <laughs> looking at J Wolf's shelf, it's uh yeah, it's pretty pretty apparent. It's hard to find a game on my shelf that does not have variable player powers. And I think Terra Mystica's is the one that comes to mind, is the one that kind of popularized it and brought it more to the Euro game crowd. I don't know if you can think of anything that maybe ushered it before then. Not really, at least in the sense that the variable player powers, I mean, you have something like Puerto Rico where you choose a role and you get a benefit, but it's a roving benefit. So anyway, like it's a chosen benefit that kind of goes from person to person. And that's the only thing that I could think of really before Terra Mystica, at least in the, in the Euro game world. I think that's a big distinction mm-hmm. on what makes a variable player power as opposed to just having some sort of ability in a game. That having a player power means that it's unique to you, that it's there from the start. And 
it's going to allow you to be set apart from everyone else at the table. So you think it something that that is differentiating at the start of the game? That's what my immediate definition comes to mind. I do think there is like a subset of games that use variable player powers that are defined over the course of the game where you can actually build yourself up to be something wholly unique from everyone else at the end of the game than whereas in the beginning of the game you might have started on equal footing. Hmm. There's a difference though between that and like because that's just like strategy. Like if it, it depends if each player has the possibility of pursuing any development of powers or if there's like like you could all start on equal footing but each player has their own abilities to unlock eventually that no one else can get to Hmm. i'm thinking specifically right now of pulsar 2849 which is a pretty euro-y game it's probably the most euro-y game on my shelf and after the learning game, each player has a corporation board or something. It's called, I, I forget what it's called, but it's basically an action board that only you have access to. So you don't really have unique powers, but eventually you can use these unique abilities that no one else has access to. Hmm. Right. It has a different feel, which is why I kind of put it in its own group as a subset. Um, And there are certainly, as you play any type of game, you're going to kind of develop your own strategies. You might be, oh, I'm the wheat guy and you're the wood guy. And just out of the course of your own strategy, you might have your own focus. But I'm thinking more of games like Agricola, where you have these cards that give you your own special abilities that break the rules, but you don't have them in play to start the game. You'll develop them and add on onto yourself over the course of the game. Um, So I kind of see that as related, though it's not the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So Wolfie already kind of alluded to this, but what's the difference then between a variable player power and an asymmetric game? I guess to me, the big difference is that a game with variable player powers is all built around a common core, where if you stripped out the variable player powers, everyone will be playing the same game. Whereas in an asymmetric game, your game is played completely different from my game. You can't strip out your unique abilities without totally breaking the game. Whereas a game with variable player powers, it can still function. It might be boring. It might not have the interest that those variable player powers bring to the game, but it still functions as a game without those powers. So an example of that, it sounds like, would be Root. That's that's kind of a modern or very modern, <laughs> very modern example where each player is playing essentially their own game. It's in a common space and you're all at the same table. But I remember when I played my first game, whoever the Vagabond player was, he could have been doing anything he wanted. And we're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, we get it. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Vagabond is so much different even from the other factions. Yeah, they're they're basically playing their own game. Whereas you take a game like Cosmic Encounter, if you strip out those powers... I believe you can still play the game. It might be a very dull and boring game, but it still functions as a game. I might actually like that better. That <laughs> game. It's it it does function. Uh, other asymmetric games I can think of, XCOM. The board game is pretty asymmetric. That's cooperative, but every player has a completely different role. Uh, Netrunner is a popular game that. Mm-hmm. The short version of how to, of that game is one player is building a wall and the other player is trying to break it down. So you have completely different 
mechanisms. You can't just you can't switch sides using the same decks. You have to build completely different decks to play either either side. Although that game mixes it's an asymmetric game, but it also has variable player powers because you can build your deck based on uh, a specific character and each character has their own kind of unique ability to start off at. Yeah, CCGs are kind of their own beast. <laughs> you know, every card you can, I guess, consider a player power. You know, they have their unique abilities and your ability to customize your decks are always going to break all conventions of categories and genres. Um, but asymmetrical games have been with us since the dawn of the war game. I mean, they're nothing new, but I do think they are distinct from variable player powers. And having variable player powers like I said, having that common core of a game, I think helps you learn and teach a game. Everyone is on the same page on how to play this basic game. And all you have to do is explain how these variable player powers kind of break the game, give you unique advantages and so on. So uh, I feel like we should we should cut to the chase here and answer the question. How do you feel about variable player powers in general? Like them? Dislike them? Hate them, don't care. I, <laughs> I'm gonna go right. I'm just gonna jump right in and say I generally like them. And to be honest, my enthusiasm for them over time has dwindled. Interesting, which is I know shocking. I like them in concept. I think like three years ago, I would have said I I love them. But lately, I've just played so many games with variable player abilities that are just so obviously imbalanced. Just basically, like, you can tell that one player is getting a much greater benefit than another player over the course of the game, even if it's cooperative. Right. And so, if it, like, if it's not at least close to balance, or at least not directly comparable... Because you know you have you have some powers that are just completely different. Like one person is is good at harvesting wheat, and one person is moving around the board quickly. Like those are hard to compare. Yeah. So you can, as long as you feel like you can use your power um, frequently, it's it's like you you can't compare directly. It's fine. You know they may not be perfectly balanced. But then it's like if one person gets two wheat, and then another person gets three wheat. Like that's clearly imbalanced. That's that's just not fair, and it, and it's never that direct. But I, but I have seen powers that are just mathematically, like immediately clearly imbalanced because it's it's the same effect but slightly mm-hmm. weaker for one player, and that just that's like okay. Well, I'd rather just not have that. I'd rather not have imbalanced player powers. I like asymmetric powers, or I like variable player powers. But I do want them to be well thought out mm-hmm. and well designed. Yeah, I think balance is going to be probably the biggest obstacle that variable player powers have to overcome. And I think a large part of the Euro game craze or popularity came from the fact that designers were trying to make games where everyone's on the same foot, everyone has the same chance. So they es- eschewed those variable player powers from the, the American style games that were popular at the time. And that's just something that you're going to have to contend with as a designer, as a player. It's going to be right up in your face. Personally, I've never been a stickler for balance, unless it's completely obvious. 
as long as I have a fighting chance, I'm okay with it. So it's really not that big a deal for me in terms of balance. I think I'm the curmudgeon in this conversation. (laughs) Although when I think about it, I think I like variable player powers in theory. It's just in practice, I usually don't care for them. And I think the reason is, again, the, the question we keep coming back to, is it balanced? And again, I, Similar to what you were saying, Alex, I, I don't know that I would walk into a game and immediately say that's un, that's unbalanced and because so much of it comes down to play style. Designers will give you these levers, and if you keep hitting the same lever again and again, and that's a good lever for you, you can usually make it work. And some players just aren't very good at doing that. So it's hard it's hard sometimes to determine, are they just bad at hitting the lever, or is the lever itself bad? But for me... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it just i it usually it usually feels like a designer throws these things into the game and it's like the players will balance it for us you know if a if someone has a really powerful ability then you just all work together against that player and one that stinks because usually that's at least in my experience not all the players get on board with that kind of thinking right away they're like well i'm not going to team up with you and second it's it it just seems kind of lazy and haphazard and so most of the games that I've played with them, I haven't been impressed. In fact, when we start started the conversation amongst the Ice Slay the Dragon people about variable player powers, I initially came out against them. And then, Alex, you pointed out that, <laughs> that Terra Mystica had them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of like them in Terra Mystica. <laughs> so you know, I'm a contradiction. I, guess. I mean, there's always the, the exceptions to the rule, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the the greatest trick that a designer can do when using variable powers is making every power feel like it's unbalanced, like it's mm-hmm. way overpowered. That's a difficult thing to achieve. But when you can pull that off, that's I think that's a pretty cool feeling as a player. Mm-hmm. What is the best and worst examples you can think of right now of the use of variable player powers? Hmm. For me, I think the best is, I'm going to say it. Is this the tw- get out? Get out your bingo cards, folks. it's twilight imperium (laughs) i mean it makes sense in such a big like epic game that that you would have big epic powers and i think i agree with alex that it's like player powers are at their best when they give you something that you can do that feels awesome Mm -hmm. and i think every single race in twilight imperium gives you something that feels awesome and they're all different enough that no race feels like unbeatable. And they're, you know, online on the, all the forums, people are argue about which race is the greatest and there hasn't really truly emerged over the lifetime of this game, a race that's like, that's definitely powerful. So that's a good mm-hmm. sign. So it's just, you know, it's fun. It gives you, it gives you, it pushes you in different directions gives you different tools to play with and it's it's fun. The worst player powers, I'm going to say the game Hope, which is possibly just because it's recent on my mind, but actually a lot of cooperative games do not have well executed player powers. I think designers get kind of lazy because it's like, oh, well, the players aren't fighting each other. Mm-hmm. They're working together. So it's okay if, you know, the powers aren't perfectly yeah. balanced. But when, like, when you see someone who can do something really awesome and you can't, and then you just feel like you're not contributing. But I think 
half of the powers in hope were just like you never got to use them mm-hmm. there were there's only four powers in the game so two of them they seem cool but you never really get to use them one of them was like okay you got to use them sometimes and then one was like really awesome and always useful and so it was just like well i want to be that power cool <laughs> I'm not that power. <laughs> I don't get to, I guess I'll just play this. Plus the game isn't great anyway. So whatever, but that's, that's my two. That's just, that's what I thought of now. There's probably worse asymmetrical player powers. I think my favorite is either Terra Mystica or Gaia project. Really? They're both kind of, <laughs> they're kind of the same game. Although this is an interesting case because the designers have come back and admitted that the powers are imbalanced and for the app version of the game, there are variable victory points assigned to the factions based on how strong they've they've proven to be in play. So, I mean, I say that I care about balance, and then here's an admitted case of imbalance, and yet I still really like the variable player powers in, in Terra Mystica. But I like that each faction plays so differently. They kind of have a different terrain that they're going going for, but the game still feels... It still feels competitive. It still feels balanced. And you're all still very much playing the same game, but you are playing it in a, in a different way according to your race abilities. What's your favorite Gaia Project alien species? That's a good question. I am. Is it the bird people, the squid people, the man people? Uh, <laughs> you have to say their names. Say their names. I don't know any of their names. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah them yeah uh i kind of i've enjoyed playing all of them i don't know that i've played it enough to really have one rise to the top yeah it's just the kind of game that the more you play it the deeper it gets but right now one of the objections levied against terra mystica and guy project i would assume is that the faction that you are assigned is going to dictate your strategy mm-hmm. for the rest of the game so if you're the you know if you're supposed to be terraforming mountains then that's what you're going to be doing the whole game, just making more and more mountains. How do you feel about that in regards to variable power players in general? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question because the idea of the path being kind of predetermined for you seems more like asymmetry than variable player powers, at least in the sense you, you've got a rigid thing that you have to do and it's, you, you know, you have some variation within there, but this is your win condition. Um, I guess I don't feel that way about Terra Mystica. I know some people do, but I think there's enough with the round. There's a different bonus every round that's an opportunity to score victory points. I think there's enough technology tiles, especially in Gaia Project, that you can kind of choose your own path because all of the paths are valuable to all the races. Obviously, if you're the Terrans, you might want to go higher on the Gaia forming technology track. It, it still might be useful to you to go high in the in the navigation track, which lets you visit planets that are farther away you know so i i don't know i i guess I, I don't buy it as much i think it's i think there's enough variation in the other aspects of the game that you're not locked into one because of your race yeah it's a delicate balance if you make the variable power if you make the variable power <laughs> <laughs> if you make the variable player powers too powerful all around then you might just 
overlook certain aspects of the game that you're meant to interact with. So I think, like you, I think Terra Mystica does a good job of giving you lots of objectives to play around with, to fiddle with. Like you said, those levers to pull and push. Mm-hmm. If I'm giving my my least favorite variable player powers, it's probably Cosmic Encounter. <laughs> Which, surprise, I don't like that game very much. And is that because the powers can vary so greatly in efficacy yes and again i I realize that that's why people who love the game love it it's that oh it's it and i think it's more i think it comes down to why we play games and some people are very interested in in a narrative in a story that they can come away with that they can they can come away from the game and say wow wasn't that great i like that too there are euro games that i've played where someone made i like fun too (laughs) i know no one believes that alex (laughs) really i'm fun guys (laughs) but you know i've come away from euro games where someone has made made a move that's particularly clever and it's memorable or the game has this epic feeling anyway but it's more because of something the player did and not because of a power that was handed to them at at the start of the game Mm -hmm. and i think in cosmic encounters case I don't like it because it's more interested in kind of creating this artificial atmosphere of not just variable powers, but varying levels of power. And so I feel like I always get stuck with Fido <laughs> and I'm just handing people cards and I, I, I'm bored out of my mind because no one wants to ally with me. I, I wouldn't want to ally with me either. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there watching other people play. Oh, you're the zombie. That's awesome. <laughs> And anyway, so I, I don't really care for Cosmic Encounter. Let the record show. <laughs> I know. This is new information. <laughs> you hear it here first. Yeah, as a decidedly more Euro game-centered gamer, I haven't played a ton of games with variable player powers. They've only just seemed to be recently in vogue in this scene. Mm-hmm. Probably the most recent game that I enjoyed with this aspect is Voyages of Marco Polo. and. In this, this is a game where I talked about where every power seems completely bonkers. When you see someone make a move, you say, how can you do that? And they just show you that my power says I can do this. And then when you do a move, they say the same thing right back at you. I think it, it really strikes that balance of making everyone feel powerful. And I really like that feeling, especially in terms of board games, because board games are basically just a pile of paper and lots and lots of rules. <laughs> and when you're told that you can break those rules. It's like a little mini power trip. And I really, en- really enjoy that feeling. I don't know, Alex, you might like cosmic encounter. You might. <laughs> just play with the red powers only. All Fido's. No, Fido's green. Okay. Fido's. There's, there's like small tangent. Uh, feel free to edit this down later, but cosmic encounter, there's a million powers and they're divided into green, yellow, and red with, Green being the simple, easy powers, yellow being a little more complicated, and red being the powers that like that just upend the game completely. So the green will be things like, oh, you get to take an extra card sometimes, or you get to, you know, add some points to your attack or something like that. Um, and then the red ones will be like, oh, you don't win the normal way by getting five colonies. You win by trying to get all your own ships blown up, or you win by I don't know, getting everybody to join your cult. And once everybody's in your cult, you can win. Or you have a secret win condition that, or like you change how 
the actual wind condition for everyone else, but you don't tell anyone else and they have to figure out based on what you're doing. But if someone wins the game, you have to tell them. So it's just like really weird, like crazy powers. If you go with only the red ones, that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. That sounds like you're trying to win by converting me to the cosmic encounter cult. It's ridiculous. I am. We're actually playing cosmic encounter right now. I knew it. Oh boy. One of the uh, game types that we hit upon is co-op games. And I really don't enjoy many co-op games. And just kind of running it through my mind, it seems like almost all the popular co-op games employ some form of variable player powers. And Mm -hmm. I think, Farmer Lenny, you had mentioned in private when we had our private conversations (laughs) that um, this is a good way for the designer to spread out responsibilities among the players, make all the players rely on one another kind of fosters teamwork in that way. Yeah. And for me, I'm not a big fan of co-op games either, unless there's some kind of, I I guess actually my favorite co-op games are games without variable player powers, because I I think they, they find a different way to foster that teamwork. I find the distributed abilities a little artificial. What's an example of the co-ops without variable power players that you enjoy? I really enjoy The Mind, for example. Mm -hmm. In The Mind, players are all playing a common game, but the hook of it is that you can't really communicate. You just kind of have to play when you think it's your turn. And you're just trying to play cards in order from 1 to 100, and it's a lot harder than it sounds. Again, the the teamwork aspect of it, the way it gets around, um, you know, I, I could just play this by myself, is that, no, you really... It's inherently a group activity, and and I like that. I think Minara is another example where it's instead of having variable player powers, Minara, by the way, it's not yet out in the United States, but it's a it's a stacking game and it's a cooperative stacking game, which is just a brilliant concept because most stacking games are competitive, and really the fun thing about a stacking game is watching the structure grow. But it's a cooperative stacking game. But you are limited by the resources you have, which are colored pillars. You have to place the colored pillars on the matching spots on these tile floors. And if you can't do it, it, you just make it harder on yourself. And again, I I find you have to work together with the other players to make sure that you have the right pillars at the right time. And you also are cheering other people on to um, (laughs) not knock anything over. So again, I I think that's another example of of a cooperative game without variable player powers that's compelling i think i'm trying to think of of the cooperative games i like i guess magic maze might be the only one but even that's not a variable player power situation it's just everyone has a different i guess they rotate you don't have them at the start of the game and keep them for the whole game yeah yeah no i like that i like that idea that foregoing the variable player powers forces co-op design to find other ways to to cooperate that that kind of seems like the most Mm -hmm straightforward way of cooperating by having like this uber player split up amongst three or four players at the table Mm -hmm. now wolfie i know you really like cooperative games and you also like variable player powers how do you feel about this i i get what you're saying and i i do like cooperative games and i like i like the powers presented in them just as kind of a way to switch it up Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I like cooperative games is that's primarily the type of game that I play with my wife. Mm -hmm. And so 
we've gone through a a lot of different cooperative games. Probably Pandemic is our favorite. Um, we've played XCOM together. We've played Flashpoint, and then we've played uh, dozens of other cooperative games. I mean, I, I definitely agree that that those player powers can be a crutch, and definitely the best cooperative games have an interesting game system, mm-hmm. and then the powers just give you some kind of leverage against that system. Um, and so I find it enjoyable in a good cooperative game to explore the different powers and just try new ways of approaching um, what's basically a puzzle, an active puzzle, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. So it, it adds some flavor, it adds some variety, but it, powers alone do not save a cooperative game. It really requires a solid core uh, system that is fun and interesting to try and solve to try and beat whether it's a difficult puzzle or if it just it's fast and furious and you need a little bit of luck a lot of games are just cooperative dice rolling fests and if you roll high enough you win and you have player powers to make you feel like you're doing something but there's not really much you can actually do Mm -hmm. It's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I do I like the concept of cooperative games in general. I definitely enjoy the type of games John was talking about that focus more on like an interesting hook, um, like you know the the stacking, the the counting and reading each other's minds. The let's say like like Mysterium, like like the game is just like trying to communicate. So it's kind of like a almost like using real world skills versus abstraction of those things. Like I, you know, when you play pandemic, which I like, it takes no real world skill to cure a disease. That's, that's an abstraction. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a game mechanic. But when I play Mysterium, I actually am trying to communicate via weird images. So it's a more direct kind of activity, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is where John's tastes lie in the in the cooperative games which i like those too i just i like different things but i think that's the main thing for me is the variable player powers provide kind of a variety and they add some element of fun because it's fun to do something unique and powerful and it's fun to try different unique and powerful things that force you to approach the game Mm -hmm. at different angles and so it adds replay value Instead of saying variable player powers, we should have just said VPP the whole time. <laughs> That's right. We we can coin the term. <laughs> we're, we're board game elite. <laughs> Trends got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. VPP. I, I guess part of the reason, too, why I struggle with variable player powers is I think seeing the kind of the super collectors on board game geek which my my wife thinks i'm one of them um (laughs) because she's like most people think they have a lot of games but you have a lot of games and i'm like well you should see my collection compared to you know (laughs) some of them on board game geek so i mean there's always someone who's crazier than you are i guess uh but i digress i think one of the one of the things that i'm trying to guard against is this idea that board games are disposable and not even in this in the sense of pandemic legacy is disposable or exit the game is disposable but just in the sense that 
the idea that you play a game once it goes back on your shelf and it comes out once every five years because you've got enough enough stuff to rotate through i recognize that (laughs) that's in in some cases i play a game once and i sell it on i i think some games have so much variety that never is tapped and just the the presentation of look at all of these options that you have in the box are an excuse to not really hone the they're, they're an excuse not to hone the best game and sell you the best game does that make sense yeah totally you know i was i was just about to say that i'm a person who likes the new and shiny things and having a game where every time you open the box is a new and shiny thing that kind of appeals to me <laughs> but mm-hmm. i also do recognize like you're saying that a game doesn't have to be new and shiny to be exciting every single time I play it. There's a joy in mastery, a joy in exploration of seeing the depths that a game can provide. Mm-hmm. And it can be kind of hidden behind uh, a new flashy power that you've played with and you've only played once, even though you've played the game a dozen times. So there is definitely something to that thought. I mean, it's it is difficult to design a great game either way. Yeah. It's difficult to design a great game that doesn't have variable player powers. It's difficult to design good, well-balanced, fun player powers. Mm -hmm. And not every published designer is a great designer. Mm -hmm. And so kind of by extension, not every game is going to be a great game. So you're going to have very mediocre games that are covered up by fun player powers. You're going to have decent games that are that have player powers just to sell them because they're not quite as exciting without them to you know when you're trying to sell your game on kickstarter so it is what it is but there will be great games and there will be great games with great variable player powers Mm -hmm. question are there any games you feel like are great except that they have player power, like that the player powers ruin the game, whether or not those player powers are optional. I do think it might be the other way around where I I probably wouldn't enjoy a game like the voyages of Marco Polo as much. If it didn't have those powers, I Mm -hmm. think it would just kind of be, be a bland run of the mill Euro game. But the fact that you can break rules to such a great degree in that game, I think that's the, really the selling point and it really executes on that. So I don't see an example of what you asked, Wolfie, but I do see examples the other way around. Hmm. Yeah, I'm having a hard time finding an example of a game. Well, I, I played Hyperborea with you, Wolfie, and I think I would have preferred it without the variable player powers, mostly just because they didn't feel super balanced to me. I felt like my power was seldom useful and other players' powers could be used all the time. And it was it was kind of boring for me to just be like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess I'll just sit over here and do things the normal way while you do awesome stuff over there. I don't, I don't deny this. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I think of a game like Terra Mystica. I think I would like it even without the variable player powers because I think it's, I think the underlying mechanics are cool. I like the mini game puzzle of moving power around your circle and get and trading that for resources, all the different currencies. Like I, I like all of that stuff. So I, I think I like it even without the variable player powers. 
but I don't like it in spite of those powers. I don't like it because of them. I don't like it in spite of them. It's just the whole game works well together and I like it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that, I don't think there's a game that is ruined because of that. I, I know a lot of Reiner Knizia games that publishers have tried to spice up are ruined by their special action cards, but that's a different, <laughs> that's a whole different animal. <laughs> How do you think games like werewolf style games where you've got, you've got a bunch of people sitting around playing as hidden roles, which are technically different player powers, um, even though they sort of have the same kind of core game system. You know, I'm thinking like the resistance where some people are spies, especially with the Avalon version of resistance where you've got, you know, there's still spies and loyalists, but some people have specific powers. They know who someone else is. They know who a certain team is, things like that. Do you think that falls in the a similar category as variable as the variable player powers we've been talking about, or is that something different? I think it's an interesting thought to have. It doesn't feel like the same thing to me, but when I look at it, it all it has all the same features of a variable player power game. I think the reason why I can't quite jump in on that concept is that a lot of the times those roles are hidden, those powers are hidden until a very specific time or usually at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though you might be acting in a way that only you're allowed to act, um, like in The Resistance, they have the Merlin character who knows who the enemy team is, but they can't really divulge that information. They can't act upon it in any uh, blatant way. They're not displaying their their force of power, which is what I enjoy out of the variable power player (laughs) it's what i enjoy out of vpps uh (laughs) so even though it displays all the same characteristics i don't know if i can it just doesn't feel the same to me i think i think part of the reason is the power is inherently tied to the role so even beyond oh i am merlin or i am the seer or or whatever it's tied to a team so you are necessarily because of this on the good guys or the bad guys and it it does feel different now i'm not sure how something like i think it's one night ultimate alien (laughs) which i i haven't played but i know one of these bezier games um games in the in the one one night series you assign everyone a role and the secret power or the special powers are assigned irrespective of the role so in that case, that seems more in line with what we've been talking about, variable player powers, because I'm not sure, but I think those powers are known. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm not I sure. don't know. If you made up that game, I would totally believe you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, one night ultimate uh, swamp creature. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. I've heard of this one night ultimate alien. I'm not making it up. <laughs> There's a lot of one night ultimates now. Yeah, you might as well just throw it in the tiny epic bucket. One of these days, there's going to be a one night ultimate, one night ultimate game. Like, it's the ultimate one night ultimate. Whoa. Ultimate should mean the last one, right? It, You'd think so. Yeah. You'd hope, would hope so. Yeah, but we've got <laughs> ultimate werewolf, ultimate alien ultimate uh super villain you know vampire is there a vampire one there is there's a vampire 
So, I mean, <laughs> you know, they're different creatures, Alex. Isn't there a one night ultimate resistance, something like that? Oh, yeah, there is. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've, we've kind of. Uh, Sorry, I ruined it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, J Wolf. We went to a dark place there. We could talk about Cosmic Encounter again. Um, on that note, maybe <laughs> maybe now is a good time to tell our listeners that this episode marks the end of season one of the Breathing Flames podcast. We are we got to end on a cliffhanger. <laughs> what will be in season two? Oh wait, no, I've got a secret to tell you all. <gasps> okay. <sighs> oh no! To be continued. <laughs> will Wolfie play a euro? <laughs> He played Concordia once. It happened. I scored a point. <laughs> you got a victory points. <laughs> I've played a lot of Euro games. It's John's fault. It's true. I've, and I've, I'm okay with some of them. I played a decent number of Ameritrash games. Thanks to... We're all friends here. Right. We're pushing each other's boundaries. It's great. Yeah, now you're well-rounded, fully adapted individuals. <laughs> That's right. But back to the uh, announcement... This episode marks the end of season one of our Breathing Flames podcast. We'll be back with season two coming soon after a few months. So stay tuned for that. We've got to gas up our flame breath. That's right. We, so to speak. That's how that works. We're running out of fumes here. <laughs> we need to convert to solar soon. Smart noise. <laughs> okay. Well, that about wraps it up discussion of variable player powers i'm john and with me tonight have been alex and wolfie thank you for joining us thank you for listening you can find us on our website www.isolatethedragon.com you can find us in our board game geek guild on twitter on facebook on google plus and you can find us in the comment section you can tell us why we're wrong why we're right but thank you so much for listening and keep slaying dragons that was pretty much the perfect outro that encompasses who and what we are. <laughs> <laughs>